Today, we talk about the MTN Uganda IPO that is expected to raise about $1.2 billion, Africa's air cargo performance, and so much more. Good morning, Africa. Welcome aboard your pulse and everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. MTN Uganda announced its intention to proceed with an initial public offer, an IPO, and subsequently list on the Uganda Securities Exchange. It follows the requisite approval by the Capital Markets Authority and Uganda Securities Exchange for MTN Group to sell 20% of its shareholding in MTN Uganda to the public. Uganda Capital Markets Authority boss Keith Kadiajida says the IPO is expected to raise about $1.2 billion. The IPO is expected to boost the number of retail investors at the Uganda Securities Exchange from about 40,000 to 200,000 investors. The listing will make MTN Uganda the second publicly traded telecom in the East African region after Safaricom's IPO on the Nairobi Securities Exchange in 2008. Paul Wieso, the chief executive officer at Uganda Securities Exchange, explains that the listing has the potential to spark growth of the Securities Exchange that has grown by a modest 1.9% in the last financial year. Well, uh, in terms of growth, uh, the potential is going to be quite uh, significant, considering mm. that uh, this is one of the largest companies in the country. Um, so 20% issuance of it uh, on the market will provide significant amount of uh, investment opportunities to Ugandans. We also think that uh, because the objective is to sell it to Ugandans, uh, we should see the number of investors increase from the current 40,000 to probably much more considering uh, the, the objective the national operator uh, telecom operator license required them to list uh, provide shareholding to the Ugandan population. Well, it pro- provides them with a different asset class for investment and an opportunity where they actually customers so they're able to benefit from the profits and the profit the, the profitability of these companies. So in terms of uh, return on investment, uh, they'll be able to to, to, to if they invested in these companies, they'll be able to get a return either in dividends or capital appreciation in terms of the price uh, moving up in uh, the secondary market. Uh, we know that a lot of investment is put uh, or people save and invest in uh, either small businesses, in uh, land, mm. land is big here, and property, and then uh, in fixed deposits and materials uh, and bonds. Yeah, so I was saying... Uh, Having the ability to create this liquidity and uh, participate in the telecom sector provides a new asset class away from the traditional banking and uh, of the companies that are currently listed on the exchange. Banking, uh, the utilities, that's Umeme, insurance, NIC. So yeah, a new asset class, a new way of investing, uh, a new lesson for the Ugandan public to, to, to learn, but also mm. advantage of terms of opportunities. Wiesel says the listing of MTN Uganda will also go a long way in creating awareness about capital markets. To, to be able to list on the market, uh, one is, uh, the objective is twofold, either to raise capital or to exit, such as uh, MTN's case here, uh, to exit the market. By share, uh, offering part of the company without necessarily needing to raise capital. So a lot of companies, what companies are required to do is to disclose all material aspects of their business uh, before they can come to market and before we can give them an approval to, to list on the exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the way investors are able to understand whether the company is fit for them to participate and uh, invest in it. 
and uh, they can provide uh, this money and uh, yeah, get involved in uh, the operations, uh, sorry, the shareholding of the company mm. and uh, earn a return. So I would say that, yes, the push has been very helpful uh, because a lot of companies say they are not aware of our needs, but also I would say generally the awareness of the capital markets has not been very, very good. And we think that, yes, this uh, listing will provide an opportunity to create more awareness of what the objectives of the capital markets and the exchange are. So we think that uh, we should ben- we'll benefit out of this and companies will get to know more about the, the markets. And the other challenge has been that uh, companies have not been really prepared and uh, those that are the large institutions uh, that are well, uh, well operating well, follow disclosures and the like, mm-hmm. are either listed on other markets or are foreign-owned and are not really keen on coming to the local market to have uh, shareholding with uh, the, the public. The exchange is used as a barometer and the performance on the markets uh, are used as uh, a basis for looking at how the economy is going to grow. The reason being that uh, if people are willing to invest in a particular sector, uh, because there are many companies probably listed on the exchange, then uh, they, they are able to follow the we look at it at a macro level, where money is going, where profitability is, and uh, how they can benefit. So investors will always look for the best return uh, in terms of investment. On the performance of the bourse during the pandemic, Wesa says while it saw a drop in turnover, they have seen an increase in local investors. Yes, uh, so it, it did disrupt us in many fronts. Uh, one of the areas that... Uh, our trading turnover dropped significantly. We had a lot of foreign investors participating in the market. I think they were dominant with over 70% of the turnover. We were turning over 21, 30 billion. Uh, that was in 2019. But that dropped to about 33 billion in uh, 2019. Uh, sorry, 2020. The Ugandan investors increased and uh, increased from about 15% to over 60% uh, in terms of investment. The other thing, uh, a couple of companies uh, reported losses during that period and uh, had an impact on their share prices and the like. And uh, that uh, resulted in actually fewer investments in the market. I think the central bank stopped banks putting out decisions. Again, that created challenges of investment decisions and whether to purchase or participate in the market. So, yes, uh, the impact of that was uh, quite significant on the numbers. But what we also benefited out of this was to use technology in terms of access to the market and the systems we put in place to, to actually attract a new um, brand of investors, uh, the locals, because by making it convenient, I think uh, we've started seeing more local participation on the exchange. And that means that we should see it grow and not rely on the foreign investors majorly participating. In a major outage yesterday, Facebook, along with its sibling sites, WhatsApp and Instagram, became unbridgeable for hours. Real-time website status tracker Down Detector received over 14 million reports from users who couldn't reach the social media giants' apps and services. But beyond the obvious inconvenience of those cut off from these services, yesterday's outage has had financial repercussions not only for Facebook, but many, many small businesses that rely on the platform. 
Facebook's 2020 revenue was $86 billion. Experts have used this number to approximate the average loss incurred by the company yesterday at $163,565 for every minute of the outage. Over the six-hour period, this sums up to roughly $60 million in lost revenue. Another report by Fortune pinned the loss at $100 million, stating that for many companies, a $100 million drop in revenue over any period would be a financial event of significant concern. For Facebook, it is a drop in the bucket that investors will likely shrug off. More than the loss of revenue, the event also affected Facebook's shares, which fell by 4.9% on Monday, translating into $47.3 billion US dollars in lost market cap. Africa maintained its position at the top of world air cargo performance rankings, growing nearly 40% in August as the global airline industry continues on its recovery from COVID-19 pandemic effects. Global air cargo market data for August 2021 released by the International Air Transport Association shows strong overall growth with demand up 7.7%, well above the long-term average growth trend of 4.7%. At 33.9%, the growth in Africa's international cargo volumes was the largest increase of all regions during the month, supported by strong investment flows along the Africa-Asia route. Volumes on that particular route were up 26.4% relative to 2019 amid a 2.2% shrinkage in the capacity deployed on international routes. Private sector activity in Kenya grew at a marginal pace in September as rising living costs reduced consumer spending and new orders. Data from Stanbic Bank shows the Purchasing Managers Index for September fell to a five-month low of 50.4 points from 51.1 in August. According to the report, the hike in energy prices particularly hit demand and also sharply drove the cost of input and output charge inflation. More positively, capacity pressures led firms to increase their staffing levels at the strongest rate since January. Output and new orders rose in September, driven by a continued recovery in demand from the strict lockdown earlier in the year. Exports were also a key source of growth as foreign orders increased at the fastest rate since October 2020. Members of the National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa embarked on a nationwide strike on Tuesday, 5th of October, following a deadlock in negotiations for a new wage deal, union members didn't report for duty in five of the country's nine provinces. The union has about 155,000 members, while the strike is expected to attract more than 300,000 workers, including from allied unions. NUMSA, one of the most prominent labor organizations in South Africa, is demanding an 8% wage increase in the first year and a 2% above inflation increase in the subsequent two years. Two other Chinese property firms have hit financial trouble after missing debt payments. Evergrande's recent problems have meant that the sector is now facing intense scrutiny. On Tuesday, Cynic Holdings became the latest Chinese developer to be downgraded by a global ratings agency. Fitch Ratings said it downgraded Cynic after the company said it had missed interest payments and, due to uncertainty, over a $246 million bond repayment. Over a $246 million bond repayment due later this month. The boss of Shanghai-based Cynic hit the headlines last month when he lost more than a billion dollars in a market sell-off linked to concerns about Evergrande. On Monday, Shenzhen-based Fantasia Holdings said it had failed to repay $205.7 million bond. 
that sent the market value of the Chinese home builders' dollar-dominated bonds down by almost 50%. So far, Beijing has not commented directly on Evergrande's financial problems, although the country's central bank and state media have signaled that government is ready to help protect individual citizens exposed to the property market. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K-Financial and if you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at The K Financial. And you can find me on Twitter at With the Dong. <laughs>